0: I'm Adam Menace And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast.
1: Today we're going to give you part two of our massive
0: Mount Rushmore rechiseling my shoulder hurts from all the chiseling we did yesterday. Are we sure we're ready to do this again? Don't we want to do some kind of like list of seven crazy altered dominant chords we can give these folks? Well, you remember the big problem yesterday wasn't even so much the chiseling with your
1: shoulder. It was when we traveled to the wrong Dakota because we didn't (laughs) know... If it was North or South Dakota that the, the darn thing was located in? Sorry, folks, we're in we're in practice rooms like all the time. That's right, Shit, bro. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, but due to our bad time management in yesterday's episode, we only no, we were having fun with the seven yeah, totally. jazz pianists, so we decided to split things off. We we called an audible because you'll hear it, mm. and uh, we're gonna go with our Mount Rushmore of seven uh, jazz artists. So let's listen again because it was such a fun question from Dan.
0: Hey, Peter. This is Dan. Uh, I wondered if you could answer the question you and Adam. What is your Mount Rushmore of jazz? So the four people you put on Mount Rushmore, and also I'd like you to do it for jazz piano. So one for jazz and one for jazz piano, and you'll hear it. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, I mean this four thing has got to go, Dan. You should you as a regular <laughs> listener, you ought to know by now. It's seven <laughs> or nothing, buddy.
1: Yeah, this is like the Chinese New Year with two as the lucky number, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, let's start things off with. Okay, I mean, when we talk about, se- I mean, this is going to be ridiculous, just like with the jazz panis. The, the errors of remission I know, you know, already are there. But it's you know, f- it's fun to pick seven that we just got to make sure we got get seven good ones. And it's such a you know, so many great options that's not hard to do. But I'm going to go first with Billy Holiday. Good call, um, Billy Holiday. Uh, I mean, you know. W- what, what can I say beyond? She kind of typifies the spirit of jazz, and she's one of our greatest vocalists, stylists. If, I mean, it's doesn't even important to say one of the greatest. I mean, she's just one of the greats. Yeah. And you know, as an as as just a pure vocalist, as an interpreter of wonderful songs, as, of her, uh, as a composer yeah. of just incredible songs, uh, you know, an interpreter, her interaction, her improvisation. I mean, it's just, just stellar, and, and her influence on her peers at the time is, is something that's not necessarily super well-documented. I mean, I think it is in her, one of her biographies, and, but musicians know it well. You know, her influence on Lester Young and exactly. just phrasing and, and stuff.
0: Yeah, if you like the way Lester Young and Ben Webster you know, phrase songs, that's thanks partly to Billie Holiday and her influence on them as a right. musician. I mean, really unparalleled as far as that. Her, her ability to tell a story— Oh, through exactly. phrasing and melody was unparalleled.
1: Un- unparalleled, and I mean, I think in terms of just enjoyment, she has brought to both hardcore jazz heads like us, to musicians, mm-hmm. yeah. to hardcore jazz fans, and then she's That's the right. general public. I mean, you go anywhere in the world, you might be in an airport or
0: something. Her voice comes on, and it's 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 stunning
1: yeah. to anybody that has ears.
0: She's a she's definitely like a gateway artist, and and one of those gateway artists that you're proud of. You know, like yeah, some gateway exactly. artists, you're like. Eh, I do know if, like, that's really... Kenny G. <laughs> well, I know. Hey, well, hey <laughs> yeah. But uh, but she's one where you're like, yeah, good on you. If you yep. like Billy Holiday, then you are going to like... Lester Young, then you're going to like this, you know, it's, it's, it's a good influence to have. Yeah. And I think that, you know,
1: like, like any deep art in general, any deep artist, you are rewarded from continual listening. I mean, it's just like a great movie that you see over and over again, you find other layers and textures. And with some of her simplest performances to some of her more complex, there's layers in there upon layers that, that you know repeated listening is really rewarded and i mean if you buy a billy holiday recording for 9.99 or 14.99 or one ninety nine, or whatever i mean the amount of enjoyment you get i mean you talk about roi on a purchase <laughs> yeah, you know that's right. i mean you could easily go up to a million dollars on that purchase and you wouldn't feel like you're being ripped that's off so, so true so
0: number two if we pressure's
1: can... on now. i mean i set the bar high you know
0: <laughs> it says uh on your list here, Peter, it says C Parker. <laughs> oh, C. Well, that was just a suggestion. You don't have to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Charlie Parker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, bird. so <laughs> That's right. The yard bird himself, Charlie per- Parker. Charlie Parker. I most said. <laughs> he was from Kansas City, not Chicago. <laughs> But uh, uh, Charlie Parker, obviously one of the most influential musicians who've ever lived. Again, well, that may not be obvious. It's obvious to us. Don't be presumptive. Oh, That's true. Okay. Well, I'm telling you now, <laughs> he <laughs> okay. is. No, I mean, you know, we were last yeah, yesterday when we were doing our Mount Rushmore of of pianists. We talked about how Herbie Herbie Hancock's influences in almost every pianist. I would say that Charlie Parker's influences in Almost every jazz musician, not just piano, not just saxophonists, but yes. it's everywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, we are still talking about some of his approaches to things in our music now, 60 years later, you know right. what I mean? Um, and so that's how important this guy was to the music.
1: Yeah, and I think about, you know, I think probably all the people we're going to end up putting on this list, it, it, as well as the many that w- more that we could put, one thing that probably binds them together, I mean, you talk about Billie Holiday, Charlie Parker, um, you know, the influences on different instrumentalists, but just the influence on the music in kind of a spirit of how they phrase anything they play. So maybe being at a little bit different stylistic times, that thread that connects them being the spirit of their phrasing, the way they tell a story, to tell a story, the way that they, that exuberance in their tone and stuff, like you really feel the connection to the roots of this music. Very exciting and and, and really something that you can't just manufacture. So true. Um, So, okay, number three, we're going to go... With okay, let's go with Louis Armstrong. How about that? Controversial choice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a you know, I'm coming strong. I'm bringing it strong. <laughs> Louis Armstrong. I mean, you know, just one of the originators of 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 the modern style of jazz phrasing and and the spirit of the music um, presented in a way that I mean, I mean, it all goes back to in a lot of ways something that was just another recording for him, just another solo West End blues. <laughs> It changed the game. It changed. I mean, it's a game changer. Game changer. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And, uh, you know, and then everything that he did, you know, up up to the point, I mean, within the music and even beyond it as an ambassador of the music in terms of his travels, an ambassador of New Orleans culture. Mm. You know, a lot of things kind of under the radar that New Orleans folks know that he did for, for, for the city and for the culture of the music that went beyond jazz. I mean, just a massive artistic. I mean, actually, he might be the one on this list, or one of the few that actually could just be on Mount Rushmore, even beyond just his trumpet playing. That's true. And just as a jazz. Just like, as an American
0: person, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, you know, they named the airport after him in New Orleans, yeah. and that was not a controversial thing, I can tell you.
0: Yeah, by far, of, our, of, of either of these lists of our Mount Rushmore, he is the most culturally iconic. Right, culturally iconic. Of I this like music, that. for sure. Yep. And, and really invented so many of the things that we that still keep this music going and are the best parts about jazz. Yeah. We owe to Louis Armstrong. So yeah. thank you, Louis Armstrong. All right. So next, what is this number four? Yep. Number four. All right. Here's number four. This is this would be the proper Mount Rushmore, but we're not stopping after this. However, we are going to add the great John Coltrane to this list. Um, Another controversial choice yeah, there, buddy. Yeah. What has he ever done? Well, I'll tell you what he's done. He completely <laughs> changed uh, the way this music was was played in in his era. I mean, he really helped sweep the change of of. I mean, how many times like so if you look at um his early work into Giant Steps where he d- he kind of came up with his own concept of this this major third movement and made jazz for the first time I would think like you know a form of um of conceptual art you know he was really messing with our expectations. Yeah. I think during that era and I'm sure other people can break it down more eloquently than that but for me when the when Giant Steps hit and he had this technique you know, that that to me is like a sea change for how people approach this music. And then on through A Love Supreme, which I think is one of the great works of art of the 20th century. Yeah. I think it's a masterpiece, um, you know, not just him, but that whole band, Elvin McCoy. And, I mean, that, that record is so good. Um, on through, you know, his later work where he got more and more into the avant-garde mm-hmm. and pushed more and more boundaries. Um, really, what's so crazy about that is then through all this is like a deep, blues roots, you know what I mean? Like, it still feels like the blues. An amazing master of this music.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a, you know, like, North Carolina saxophone blues style. Like, that's the foundation of his playing. And you, Earl Ballstick, back to that whole thing. Like, that's where... He came from, and he never actually abandoned that. While, but then he put this incredible modernist bent on that, almost violently upon the music, you know, just through his force of will of how he heard it. Yep. Um, And but I think you know he he always had that phrasing, even as he got totally modern, very quickly. Like we talk about, you know, Billie Holiday, Louis Armstrong, that 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 spirit in their phrasing. He always had that that swing, that vibe, and and you know I think he hit all the big points. I mean, you kind of. Touched upon as a band leader putting that great quartet together that really, I mean, we're still all imitating it. I mean, you can't get through a quartet gig without, you know, just trying to sound like, even if you try not to sound like that, or using some influence of the way. And, I mean, he put that together, you know. He put that together and, um, yeah, a giant. Okay, so that's four. So we've got five, six, seven. We've got three to go. Math is easy. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm going to go next with Ella Fitzgerald. Good call. Okay, so we're coming back to another vocalist, and I mean, I don't really look at really the vocalists and the instrumentalists, the composers. It's all kind of the same thing to me. Again, I'm starting to see the thread of these giants are kind of their their placement in the spirit of the music and and just giants of the music. And Ella was, I I guess, most known for um, being an amazing interpreter of popular song and a very incredibly efficient recording <laughs> recorder of, of popular song. I mean, she covered so many songs prolific. so quickly. Yeah, very prolific and just a- had the ability to absorb the, the meaning of a song the lyrics, and then to apply it in a super slick jazz way, totally. basically on the spot, you know, in sight reading this stuff. And, but then, you know, she also had the other side of being an amazing live performer. She was an incredible pianist as well. She kind of let go of that, at least in terms of recording and public playing, I believe, pretty early. But that was a big foundation. You know, a great improviser, really, you know, understood harmony and, you know, melodic movements with, in a very modern way from the bebop era. I mean, she really is a bebop singer in a lot of ways and coming out of the big band tradition bridging into bebop but she put all that together in in this what for somebody else might be seen another a lesser singer Lesser musician would be seen as kind of a narrow lens of her specific style, which was so obvious yeah. and so wonderful because her you know, voice is so iconic and recognizable. Yeah. But, but her musicianship being at such a high level, her voice being at such a high level, all the kind of you know, basics of musicianship in terms of time and swing and harmonic feel being so stellar and high level that it just kind of comes across effortless and joyful to people. And she kind of understood that, but it had her humility within the music that it just all added up to just incredible performance after incredible. Incre- and so for me, like, you really see that all, on the, all the great live recordings. I love the studio stuff, but I love the, the live stuff. Totally.
0: And also, on top of this, sitting on a once-in-a-generation kind of natural voice, you know, I, I asked one of my vocalist friends, what is it about Ella's voice that's so special? Yeah. And she was, she said, well, there's just no part of it that has any weakness at all. Right. You know, just from the, t- the bottom of a range to the top. Everything is strong. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there are only a few, a handful of people who are gifted that. Um, Ella, Diane Reeves, obviously, has yeah. that same kind of quality. Yeah. And
1: I mean, Billie Holiday, who started out on our list, didn't have that. I mean, she had an amazing voice. but She, she was, was more, yeah, on yeah, the artistic I mean, side of things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and so, I mean, I think with both of them, you're seeing an ability to control and, and, and maximize their instrument in a very advanced and acute way that, um, you know, that just brought. I mean, you know, with a great vocalist, and I mean, Louis Armstrong, we didn't even talk about him as a vocalist, oh, geez, yeah. I mean, which is such a big part of what he was, too. I mean, you know, the vocals, we talked about this before, just have the ability to hit that high level of connection with a bigger audience in right. a very profound way. Yeah. So we've got, what, two more?
0: Two more. Pressure's so, on. So number six on our list is the great Art Blakey, drummer mm-hmm. extraordinaire, um, probably the, the origina- originator of the idea of a jazz university. Only his university was his band. Right. Uh, he had a rotating cast of musicians that were usually younger than him, and his his book didn't change that much That's over right. the years, but it always was growing and growing from some of the great composers of all time um, in jazz. You know. Who
1: happened? He happened to have in his band. Who he happened? Bad. Yeah, Cedar <laughs> Walton and then Wayne
0: Shorter, and the list goes on and on yeah. with like amazing, amazing people. That
1: yeah, I mean talent scout, drummer, mentor, mentor, yeah. you know, father in the music, you know, joyful. Um, ambassador of the music, you know.
0: Who also just happened to swing his ass off. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> well, I guess and, that's important. And, yeah. And had, th- he had, I think, such a distinct original sound on the drums too throughout his career. Huge sound, you know, that just great, just like always sounds like he's bashing even when he's playing quietly. Yeah. Everything is so intense. Now, I remember hearing, did you ever hear him live? I never got to hear him live. <clears throat>
1: I heard him a, a few times and, and uh, right at the end, unfortunately for him, but I remember seeing him at Sweet Basil club on 7th Avenue South in the Village in New York when I was first up in New York, kind of late 80s. And, you know, he had, I think it was Terrence Blanchard, Jean Toussaint from London, a nice. t- great tenor player, uh, Mulgrew, was it, was it Mulgrew? I think it was Mulgrew Miller, maybe even Bill um, Benny Green. But so some, was scrubs, scrubs, some scrubs. Some scrubs, <laughs> bunch of young scrubs. But, I mean, he, was really, he had lost some hearing for sure by then, and he had sure. this monitor right up by his ear. Oh, man. And he was just bashing. But, I mean... I mean, when we say bashing, like the level of musicianship still with which he could bash, it was incredible. I mean, to be able to to do that and have that kind of control and just joy within the music. And I mean, look, I I love that you chose a drummer because probably underrepresented in our uh, Mount Rushmore so far, uh, but what a massive part of the music the drummers are. Absolutely. And and none bigger than Art Blakey for sure. Totally. So we've got one more, and so I'm going to go with a very off-the-beaten-path controversial oh
0: good everything's been straight down the know, middle what do you I got know.
1: some might not even consider him part of american jazz you know <laughs> more associated with the ecm movement and upper Scandinavia. no i'm just kidding we're going with duke ellington <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean how could we have mount rushmore without you duke know, Ellington? the setup was happening as it was happening i knew what was coming
1: yeah i mean duke ellington um I mean, what, what, what more, what would be, what more? We haven't said anything. Yeah. Just go listen to to his music. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, that's an easy one that you can kind of put up and, you know, compositionally, pianistically band leader, Obviously, again, phrasing kind of the, you know, the spirit of the music, the way he phrased his arrangements, mentor, you know, talk about Billy Strayhorn, talent scout. Yeah. You know, he just really encompassed everything, uh, in the music. And I mean, those of you that are interested in, on some, some profound words upon, about Duke Ellington go to YouTube or, or a podcast or whatever, just search Wynton Marsalis Duke Ellington. You can hear him talking very interestingly and profoundly about the influence of Duke Ellington on this music and on our country and, and, and modern music in general.
0: So as is tradition, uh, I would like to add a bonus. Okay. Seven, number eight. Is this the Jonas Brothers? The Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we can't really get out of, of a list about Jazz Mount Rushmore without Miles Davis. Okay. If we're, if we're being true... To ourselves, yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> now I'm gonna add. I think we should we should add yeah. Miles Davis as like number eight. Absolutely. It's so hard to leave any of these people off. Yeah. Because there's mean, like three more now that I want to put on. But Miles really changed the game for a lot of people. Another cultural icon. Yep. You know, one of the St. Louis native. He's St. Louis, about seven He's miles boogie. from where we are right now. Yeah. So I mean,
1: yeah, Miles Davis. And you know, like Duke Ellington.
0: You'll hear it. Is that what you're trying to get me to say? Absolutely. It worked. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. You can go to youllhearit.com to
1: get more information, submit a question, or just say hello. Well, you can do that. Absolutely.
0: All right. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a rating below.
1: Thanks.